right, here we go. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, this is not Ian Thornton. Uh, this is Chad McLeish, who will be helping me out tonight. Chad says he's just an assistant, but I think he can fill in just fine. No offense, Ian, but uh, no, you know, you'll do a great job. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, and we want to finish up Acts chapter 9 tonight, and then we will start on Peter's vision that he has in Acts chapter 10. So I just want to say that uh, if you have any prayer requests, go ahead and send them in to us tonight. Um, we will pray for you, both at the beginning and at the end of the, the Bible study here. Um, and we're going to start with uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 32, when we do start. And I will first open us with prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Even though it snowed, Lord, we're very thankful for this, this day because, Lord, we know you have a reason for bringing the snow today. We may not understand it, but we trust you. And we trust you, Lord, with all our hearts. And we pray, Father, earnestly pray that you will guide and seek, guide and help us as we seek you tonight, that you will answer our questions, that you will help us to find you. Lord, we're so thankful that you are so wonderful in this way that all we have to do is look for you and we will be found by you and you will show us because Lord, you've proven it over and over and over again. So thank you for who you are. Father, as we gather, we want to pray for Pastor Ian who couldn't be with us tonight and pray that he be doing well. And Father, we pray for everyone else who couldn't be here tonight or who may typically be watching on Facebook but couldn't watch and and if for anyone who may be watching the rebroadcast or listening to it, Father, we pray that you will bless them as well. So, Father, guide us both tonight as we study your word. And, Father, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, you want to start us off by, with verse 32 and go ahead and read all the way down through the end there. Verse 43, and we'll talk about it. All right. So Peter traveled from place to place to visit them, and in his travels came to the believers in the town of Lydia. There he met a man named Aeneas, paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ has healed you. Get up and make your bed. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydia and Sharon turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas walking around. In the city of Joppa, there was a woman named Dorcas, known as the Gazelle, a believer who was always doing kind things for others, especially the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her friends prepared her for burial and laid her in an upstairs room. But when they learned that Peter was nearby at Lydia, they sent two men to beg him to return with them to Joppa. This he did. As soon as he arrived, they took him upstairs where Dorcas lay. The room was filled with weeping widows who were showing one another the coats and other garments that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Dorcas. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up and called in the believers and widows, presenting her to them. 
The news raced around the town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon the Tanner. Okay. Um, as we finish up chapter 9, chapter 9 is very much a transition type of um, chapter. And the way it's broken out here, when we first started talking, we talked about the the conversion of Paul, when he was Saul and he became Paul. And then we, when we get to verse 32, we jump over to Peter again. And I guess if we were watching a movie, it'd be one of those clips where a climax is about to happen, and then we could do a, a cutscene to a different group of people for a moment, and then the two kind of come together. So it's kind of the way Hollywood puts it together to show you something big's going to change right now. So I'm telling you, something big's going to change right now when we get past chapter 9 and through chapter 10. And it really sets the stage for the rest of the book of Acts. But we got to get through chapter 10 first before we really see all that's going on. But I like how, uh, how Luke put this, where talking about um, Paul, and then he goes, well, I can't forget about Peter. And he just brings in a little bit about Peter and what he does, but it's more of the same. He, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you say that name? Is it Aeneas? It's Aeneas. Aeneas. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm going to keep you around for reading all the hard names. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be going through and say, Chad, what's that name? <laughs> okay, so Aeneas, he simply says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. I believe that's what your Bible said, right? Mm -hmm. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he gets up. And the people who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. That's important. So, it's another miracle, signs and wonders that, that are happening through the disciples. God receives the glory, and people come to the Lord, which is so important. And we're going to talk about that more in a, shortly. And then it moves right on into Joppa, which is very near the city of Lydda. And there's a woman there. Now, my Bible says, um, named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas. Okay. Okay, so both Tabitha and Dorcas in Greek mean gazelle, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. So um, anyway, um, I just feel better calling somebody Tabitha rather than Dorcas. You, mm -hmm. know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so Tabitha, it, she dies, and she's this woman who's helping so many people. And we don't know how she died, but she dies. And this time Peter asks to be alone in the room with her, which I think is very interesting. Because, you know, with Aeneas, he just simply says, Jesus Christ heals you, get up. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I have to wonder, was Peter starting to lose some faith there? Did he wonder, I'm not going to look like a fool if he, she doesn't really come back to life? Because as far as I can tell, this is the first person Peter brought back to life. Right. Okay, I don't remember reading about him bringing anybody else to life, though he gave them lots of life by helping them come to the Lord. So I just wonder, and again, the Bible doesn't say that, but I just wonder, why did Peter send them all out of the room? But he gets on his knees and he prays. Now, with Aeneas, he just simply spoke to him. He knew, and more, I guarantee you, if we could talk to Peter right now, he'd probably say, well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to me, just tell him he's healed, okay? But this time, it's a little different. This guy's Aeneas is already alive, he just can't walk, and, and God speaks and says, tell him to walk. And Peter knew it was going to happen because he'd seen it before in other places. 
But now there's a dead woman. He knows that Jesus brought someone back from the dead, Lazarus. Um, and also the, um, the little, I think it was a girl, who he brought back to life. But anyway, he gets on his knees and he prays this time. And then he says, he turns to her and says, get up. And she opens her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet and showed everybody that God has brought her back to life. So again, we can't really answer that question, but I just kind of wonder what was Peter thinking in that moment? Now, someday I'm going to ask him that. I'd like to know that. I think it's really inspiring that somebody other than Jesus brought somebody back from the dead. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You yeah. Um, there's a movie that came out a few years ago. Like, I've been thinking it came out two years ago called uh, Breakthrough. I think it was called Breakthrough. And it was about a young boy, this young boy, 12, 13 years old. He's playing on the ice with a couple of his friends, and they, he falls through the ice. Mm-hmm. And his son, his, his sons, his friends try to pull him out, but they can't. And somebody witnessed it, thankfully, called the paramedics right away. But the fireman jumps into the water. This fireman that jumped into the water was an atheist. But he asked God to help him find this boy. Mm-hmm. And he did. He did. In that moment when he prayed and asked God to help him find this boy, his hook that he had grabbed hold of something, he pulled the boy out. Well, the boy's dead. He drowned, okay? Mm-hmm. So they try to revive him, and I think they got him revived. They take him to the hospital. He dies again. Mm-hmm. And then his mom just clears the room, just like Peter, mm-hmm. and she's in there, and she's praying, and praying for the Holy Spirit to just restore him, and all of a sudden, he starts breathing again. His heart starts beating, mm-hmm. and he's fine. Mm-hmm. There's no brain damage or anything. Wow. It's just amazing. Um of course, God did that. Mm-hmm. There's no other explanation for it at all mm-hmm. that, other than that God did that. But that's just amazing. So, yeah, it can happen. And, I mean, we can say, well, that was just Hollywood. Well, it's based on a true story. Well, you can say that it's all a lie. I believe it. I mean, they showed pictures. It looked like this guy, this kid was dead, and he's back alive. So it can happen. Okay, so anyway... Back to what I was talking about earlier. This is like a transition period. Peter and Paul, up until this point, it's all Peter and John. Acts of the Apostles is mostly about Peter and John. And we had a little bit about Philip. Uh, we found out uh, a new apostle, Matthias, I think is was his name. Yeah. So when we turn to Paul and his conversion, it's going to really take off with a, a lot about Paul because he was very important in all that he did. Not that Peter wasn't, but if, if you just bear with me for a moment, if we go back to Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, and then to the ends of the earth. He wanted it to be a, a phased-in approach, if you will. And we can speculate all kinds of reasons why, but I believe one of the reasons was that Jesus was showing us that things can start small. They move to a greater thing, and then they really explode mm-hmm. if God's behind it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we have a comment here. You have a good co-host, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy said that. I paid her to say that. You paid her to say that. Um, 
me read this real quick here. I think Jesus also sent out people before he brought Lazarus and the little girl back from the dead. Maybe it was, I can't quite read that because, okay, maybe it was to keep the unbelief out of the room. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Keep the unbelief. That is, that is really important. I'm glad you brought that up, Shelly, because um, not so much the unbelief as much as it is just what the people may have been carrying too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, maybe it was just a spirit of unbelief, but that's a good point. Um, anyway, let's move on. So this transition that is coming to, to um, Paul, we kind of see something happening with Peter. Now, let's remember who Peter is. He is a Jew from the tribe of Judah, okay? He followed Jesus. He knew that Jesus was a Jew, Traced his lineage through the through David through the line through the uh, line of Judah. Now here's Paul from the tribe of Benjamin, but also a Jew because Judah and Benjamin made up the Jews. That's another long story we don't have time for right now. But Paul's being told to go to these people called the Gentiles, and right now Peter's thinking, "Oh, this is for us, man. This is our Messiah." Those people are on their own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Peter's getting a little bit of a wake-up call here Mm -hmm. in chapter 10. So Mm -hmm. want to read um, through verse 8 for us? Sure. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer, Cornelius, a captain of an Italian regiment. He was a godly man, deeply reverent, as was his entire household. He gave generously to charity and was a man of prayer. While wide awake one afternoon, he had a vision. It was about 3 o'clock. And in this vision, he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What do you want, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and charities have not gone unnoticed by God. Now send some men to Joppa to find a man named Simon Peter, who is staying with Simon, the tanner, down by the shore, and ask him to come and visit you. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a godly soldier, one of his personal bodyguard, and told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Okay, before we go on, let's think about the time frame that we're in here. Jesus has died. He has risen again. People are hearing about it. Word is spreading. Okay, They're no longer in Jerusalem. They're in Judea, Mm -hmm. in Joppa, Lydda. Those are towns in So there's this centurion and part of the Italian regiment. So he was over by Rome, basically, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. But is this man a Christian? I would say at this point, no, because he probably... They didn't have the internet. It's not right. like I can get on Fox News and see about this guy named Jesus who's doing all these miracles in Jerusalem. Right. Right. Okay, that word traveled, but it would travel slowly. Right. But he was still a God-fearing man. Now, the reason I'm setting that up like that is he's clearly hearing from God because he's telling him, go find this man named Peter who's staying with a tanner named Simon, which is how it ended up here. So we know that God's doing this, and he's in Joppa. God's telling this guy, speaking to him. Now, we often consider 
that when people speak to us in this manner, when God speaks to us in this manner, it's through the Holy Spirit, right? I'm sure it was through the Holy Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit would not be with this man at this time because he didn't have a chance, or did he? I don't know. That's a question I don't know how to answer, really. Um, Because, again, we have to speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. He's a God-fearing man. He prays. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting at. This guy is seeking after God Mm -hmm. because he's devout. He's a God-fearing man. He knows there's a God. Whatever he believes about him, we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. He probably doesn't know about Jesus at this point. Okay? And I, I mean, I know what the Bible says later on, but I'm trying to set it up as if I don't know, okay? So God's speaking to him now, telling him to bring Simon here. So God is making the effort to bring someone in who wants to know him. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he's going to show him that final connection through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what Peter's going to do here. But I just love how this man probably doesn't know about Jesus yet. But God, because he's seeking after God, God's saying, I'm going to make sure you find out. Mm-hmm. And that's, that to me is just amazing, that we can trust God that much, that if you feel like, I want to know him, I don't know what to do, I don't like to go to church, I don't like to read the Bible, okay, God, if you really want to know him, he'll still find you, and then he'll help you want to go to church and help you want to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you do go to church, but don't read the Bible, but want to, Seek God out, and he will help you. Mm-hmm. He always will help you. Has there ever been a time he didn't help you? No. Same here. Same here. I'm sure that everybody can say that. that mm-hmm. We may say he didn't help us, but he really did. It's really all in the did. timing, right? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and how we perceive it. Mm-hmm. And, and God will, that's part of what God does, is helps us perceive it in another way. So, okay, let's read about Peter's vision now. So beginning with verse 9. Okay. The next day, as they were nearing the city, Peter went up on the flat roof of his house to pray. It was noon, and he was hungry, but while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and a great canvas sheet suspended by its four corners settled to the ground. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, snakes and birds, which were forbidden to the Jews for food. Then a voice said to him, Go kill and eat any of them you wish. Never, Lord, Jesus declared, or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter declared. (laughs) (laughs) I have never in all my life eaten such creatures, for they are forbidden by our Jewish laws. The voice spoke again. Don't contradict God. If he says something is kosher, then it is. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was pulled up again to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? What was he supposed to do? Just then the men sent by Cornelius had found the house and were standing outside at the gate, inquiring whether this was the place where Simon Peter lived. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come to see you. Go down and meet them and go with them. All is well. I have sent them. So Peter went down. I'm the man you're looking for, he said. Now what is it that you want? Then they told him about Cornelius, the Roman officer, a good and godly man, well thought of by the Jews 
and how an angel had instructed him to send for Peter to come and tell him what God wanted him to do. So Peter invited them in and lodged with them overnight. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some other believers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius was waiting for him, and had called together his relatives and close friends to meet Peter. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell to the floor before him in worship. But Peter said, Stand up, I am not God. So he got up, and they walked and talked together for a while, and then went in where the others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against the Jewish laws for me to come into a Gentile home like this, but God has shown me in vision that I should never think of anyone as inferior. So I came as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me what you want. Okay, let's stop there for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things I want to pull out here. Um, first of all, which, which one are you reading again? The Living Translation? The Living Bible. The Living Bible, okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is in verse 14, it says, Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And I think you, yours used the word kosher. Mm -hmm. Okay, because kosher is a human word. That's why I, I want to point that out. Because Peter said impure or unclean. Because those are the words that are in the Bible that um, meaning kosher. Okay, kosher means that it's uh, pure or clean. But Peter's quoting this from Leviticus chapter 11, where God lists these animals are clean, these animals are unclean, you should not eat them. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get into debate whether or not to eat bacon, because I like bacon. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> But um, what I'm trying to get at is, a lot of people will use this vision that Peter had to say that God declared all foods clean. That's not it at all. And Peter even says so later on, when he says that... Um, um, I can't remember where he says it now. I think you read it about his vision. Oh, yeah. Uh, verse 28, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Mm -hmm. So Peter understood the vision, and he gives us the answer to the vision right here in the Word of God. So I just... It's one of those things that irritate me when people try to say, oh, well, this declares all foods clean. Well, I'm not eating any snakes or, <laughs> or hawks or things like that. And I don't even really like seafood either. Cause, but anyway, that's for another story, another time. <laughs> okay, so that was the first thing I wanted to point out. So now, remember what happened with Cornelius when we first started reading chapter 10. Who visited him? An angel, mm. okay? And spoke to him and said mm. all these things that God was saying to him. In verse 19, it says, The Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. The Holy Spirit is with Peter because of his belief in Jesus Christ. Not yet with Cornelius. But go back to this. God is, knows that Cornelius wants to know him. He prays. He's devout. He's God-fearing. He's going to make sure that Cornelius gets it, and he's using Peter to do it. Mm -hmm. God will use us to reach people that want to know God, but may not, like, let's just say for an example, I've known you for seven years or so. That's right. 
And in that seven years, if I didn't know that you were, or I knew you were a man of God, but I didn't really know God too well, and I didn't want you to know that I didn't know God well, I might be afraid to ask you, okay? But if God comes to me and as it gives an angel to me and says, hey, go talk to Chad, he'll tell you about Jesus. I'm on your doorstep, buddy. I know where you live, okay? <laughs> that's what God does. And, and Okay, that's an extreme example. But by watching you live, I can see Christ working through you, and that might make me one. And I say, okay, Chad, just tell me, what, what makes you such a good person? And you will say, Kathy, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> You that stole was, my answer. That was for you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is that by the way we live sometimes, and people may not just come up to you and say, hey, what is it? But I know before I became a Christian, I was observing people. And when I found out that they were a Christian, that's when I became more intrigued mm -hmm. to find out more. And I actually did go to one of my friends and said, okay, tell me what's going on here, you know. And I didn't know that he had given his life to the Lord, but he had. Mm -hmm. And he was glad I asked. And we talked about it, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, um, I just wanted to point that out, that it's just so important to know that God will make sure. If you want to know him, you want to grow in him, you want to have whatever you want in God, he will make sure you get it. He will put people in your path, maybe not as grand as an apostle of Jesus Christ coming to your doorstep, but it could be. Okay, so that was, that was the next thing I wanted to point out. Now, the other thing was, um, oh, okay, I already said it about the impure or unclean. So Peter's saying that he's seeing now that God is calling the Gentiles as well. He sees that from this vision. Mm -hmm. It's not about eating snakes or bats or or rats or anything like that. It's about God has declared that the Gentiles are able to be saved as well. Peter, being the man he was, studying the scripture as best he could back then, which he couldn't as much as somebody like Paul, but walking with Jesus daily, hearing the things he's saying, I've come for the sheep of the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I've done you know, the the lady who said even the dogs eat the crumbs who fall on the floor, to fall on the floor. Your faith has saved you. Those kind of things. He's picking that up. He's starting to put it together. And now he has this vision and a light bulb moment for Peter. It makes sense. God is calling the Gentiles as well. Mm -hmm. And here's a perfect example. Just have the vision. He's still thinking about it. And now he's on his way to Cornelius's house. So... Any questions from out there? Nope, nothing on Facebook. So let's go ahead and start with verse 30 then. The Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying as usual at this time of the afternoon, when suddenly a man was standing before me, clothed in a radiant robe. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers are heard, and your charities have been noticed by God. Now send some men to Joppa and summon Simon Peter, who is staying in the home of Simon, the tanner, down by the shore. So I sent for you at once, and you have done well to come so soon. Now here we are, waiting before the Lord, anxious to hear what he has told you to tell us. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that the Jews are not God's only favorites. In every nation he has those who worship him and do good deeds and are acceptable to him. 
I'm sure you have heard about the good news for the people of Israel. There is peace with God through Jesus the Messiah, who is Lord of all creation. This message is spread all through Judea, beginning with John the Baptist in Galilee. And you no doubt know that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were possessed by demons, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did through Israel and in Jerusalem, where he was murdered on a cross. But God brought him back to life again three days later and showed him to certain witnesses God had selected beforehand, not to the general public, but to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he sent us to preach the good news everywhere and to testify that Jesus is ordained of God to be the judge of all, living and dead. And all the prophets have written about him, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell through all those listening. The Jews who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be given to Gentiles too. But there there could be no doubt about it, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter asked, Can anyone object to my baptizing them now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he did, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Afterwards, Cornelius begged him to stay with them for several days. All right, let's stop there. That's the end of chapter 10. Okay. um, So Peter, first of all, Cornelius, he he tells him, four days ago I was praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. Okay. If I say that to you, what are you going to say? <laughs> well, I, I do have an interesting thought about that. I've been okay. thinking about this ever since we've been reading about it. And you brought up something earlier. The Holy Spirit versus the angel. Right. The, the angel came to the Gentile, this Roman, you know, army officer. And, but the Holy Spirit was with Peter. Right. And I think that there's a difference there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, the Holy Spirit is God, Mm -hmm. okay? The angel is a messenger of God. Mm -hmm. Um, The Holy Spirit is a gift given to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to point out, that this man wasn't a believer yet. That's why the angel came to him. Mm -hmm. Um, The Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning. I believe when God said, let us create man in our image, he wasn't just speaking of just Jesus, he was speaking of the three in one. Mm-hmm. One God in three unique forms. Um, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit who spoke to Abraham or to Noah or to Moses. Well, God spoke to Moses directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess to Abraham as well when he came in the form of three men. But anyway, what I'm getting at is the Holy Spirit was there, but Jesus made it very clear he had to go away. For the Holy Spirit to come in this new form. And it is for believers. He is for believers, not it. I can't believe I just said that. Called God it. <laughs> he is for the believers. So is there more do you wanted to add to that, or is that just what you were no, no, pointing out? Or? No, I mean, I think it makes a whole lot of sense, because then the, the Holy Spirit came 
upon them and yes. they were baptized. Yes. So there's, yes. there's the, the, the change, the transition. Right. And so the way that happened, I think it's important that we point this out, is, well, first of all, I'm going to get to that. But first of all, Cornelius is, is talking and he's saying, I was praying, a man comes uh, in shining clothes, and um, he says, I heard your prayer, remembered your gifts to the poor, sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's basically telling Peter, be like me coming to you and saying, hey, I know you talked to a guy named Mark today, and at the end of the conversation you said, I'm going to pray for you. You know, if you were like, if that really happened, you'd be like, how did you know that, you know? Mm -hmm. But if God had told me that, and that's what I said to you, that's how. It's the communication. So Peter knows, okay, an angel came to this man and told him to come find me. He, he's going to believe that because he's so close to God mm -hmm. now and, and all that has been going on. And, but it's God's way of showing us human beings how he communicates with us. Mm -hmm. So he communicated through an angel to Cornelius, and Cornelius is now telling Peter. Peter's like, okay, I got it. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, mm -hmm. but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So then he goes on to tell about Jesus, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism, and then John preached, and he's preaching, and he speaks about the prophets, He's basically telling the whole story of the Old Testament and the New Testament at this point. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what Stephen did a couple, a couple of chapters ago. And God raised him after they killed him. God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. This is the gospel. This is the thing that we need to all know, that Jesus was our sacrifice when he died on the cross. And when we believe that, when we believe that, what happens? You said it, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm comes upon them. He's not visited by an angel anymore. He, well, he could be, but yeah. now he has direct access. The veil is torn in the temple. The veil is what separated man from God. Mm -hmm. that, temp, that veil was torn. Now we have direct access to God through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is that means by which we communicate. He speaks to us, we speak to him. And the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Not just Cornelius came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who came with Peter were astonished. Now, why they have to point that out, I don't know, but <laughs> there, maybe there were some that were not, but I guess that's probably part of the Jewish custom thing there. But they were um, astonished that the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Transition. Remember, build up, build up this guy named Paul who's going to take it to the Gentiles. This is the transition period. We're seeing it. Oh, it's not just for us. Mm -hmm. It's for everybody. You know, the what, way I can explain this is if, let's say Jesus visited Belair, okay, mm -hmm. and performed miracles in Belair, and everybody started following him, and he says, take it to Martin's Ferry. What do you guys get? What are the people in, not you, but what are the people in Belair going to do? We're not going to Martin's Ferry and giving them what we got. No way. And vice versa. If Martin's Ferry wouldn't want to come down to Belair and do it. But that's the way I liken it. So that's how much hatred there was mm -hmm. between the Jews and Gentiles. Right. I mean, he even says, our law, not the law of God. The Jewish law says that I can't even be in the house of a Gentile. Mm -hmm. 
because they're unclean. Mm-hmm. But God and, P- and I'm sorry, Jesus was constantly telling the Pharisees, you are not following God's law. And I, you could point out all kinds of things, places where he said that, but Peter's now saying, I see it now that we weren't really, um, this, isn't, this isn't God's law. God wants you guys to receive this. And now he saw the vision, he believed it, now he's seeing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, why can't I just baptize him with water now too to make the, the full thing mm-hmm. so that leads to the question and we got a little bit of time left I'll, I'll go ahead and try to bring this up what's the difference between baptism with water and baptism of the holy spirit i'm not going to ask you that i don't want to put you on the spot now if ian was sitting right there you better believe he'd be getting that question <laughs> you know what he'd do he'd deflect and <laughs> throw it back on me so i guess it's on me okay well baptism of water is baptism for repentance it's what John the Baptist taught. Be baptized, repent of your sins. And when you repent of your sins, it's, it's turning away, it's seeking God's forgiveness, it's setting the stage for a new life, to be born again, essentially. Okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what usually comes after you do that. It, it, it's, obviously, it can happen in reverse order here. Mm-hmm. Somebody can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and have never been baptized with water. I wasn't baptized till I was 29, but I was walking with the Holy Spirit years before that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know it can happen. Maybe I was 28, but I don't remember. But it can happen that way. But it's baptism of water is more of a, it's important, yes, but it's not a means of salvation. And that's what happened with these guys right here. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I say it's not a means for salvation. Now, before I start getting the hate mail thrown at me, it's chad.mcleish at... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> before you start saying, well, wait, wait, wait. No. I understand that some people believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, and I'm not going to argue or debate with you. But what I'm saying is these people were clearly had the Holy Spirit poured upon them in this moment... And then they were baptized with water. Baptism of water is, is the physical, it's the physical representation of repenting and, and starting a new life. It cleanses you. Water cleanses you. That's why we take a shower. It cleanses us. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that comes upon us when we believe. So you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not be baptized with water. And you can go to heaven having never been baptized with water. I truly believe that. I agree. All right. Well, um, Peter kind of gets himself into some hot water. I'm not going to, I don't want to really want to start chapter 11 right now because we only got about five minutes left. But um, we'll talk about that next week um, when Peter has to explain his actions and in Acts chapter 11, there's a, there's a couple of things that happened there. And I'm actually thinking about Acts chapter 17, so I'm not even going to bring it up, but we got a note here. Okay, prayer requests. Okay. So let's uh, see if we have any prayer requests on Facebook. We do not. 
All right, so we're going to stop here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me and reading for me, and it's been fantastic. And yeah, really appreciate. You. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I really appreciate it's been that. Fun. It has been fun. Mm -hmm. um, so we got a couple of prayer requests for uh, Samara Mazzuli. I know that name. Samara. Yes, I know who she is. Monday meals. Yes, Samara. Yes, I know who she is. Okay, she had a heart attack. Oh, is she okay? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, she had two blockages. She was at a good place then to, to have a heart attack. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> wow, that, that's really good. And uh, is it Heidi? Tarek. Tarek? She's my cousin. Okay. She did. Yeah. Will be 51. Yeah. That hits too close to home. Either today or tomorrow. Yeah. But oh. see, the good news there is she had like four or three or four blockages, but like two were 90, and the one they call the Widowmaker was 100. Oh, wow. So the good news is, you know, they, she found it out. Or it was too late. Wow. And of course, the family of Eleanor Johnson. Uh, Eleanor passed away a couple days ago. Um, so we will keep all of the family in our prayers. And there's no others on Facebook. So um, just, okay. We will uh, pray and then we'll come back again next week. And I believe Ian will be back next week. I believe that's the plan. And we will start on Acts chapter 11 next week. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for giving to Chad the, the courage and the enthusiasm to step up and, and sit with me tonight. And Lord, it was a tremendous blessing for me, and I just pray it was a tremendous blessing for him as well. And thank you, Lord, for, for doing this for him. And Father, as we gather here to pray, we want to also lift up to you Samara Mazzuli, who had a heart attack, and pray that she will be able to recover from this heart attack, we thank you, Lord, that she was at the wellness center of all places, so close to the hospital where she could get immediate treatment. And we know, Lord, that we say you work in mysterious ways, but they're no, not mysterious, Lord. It's just the way you are. And we love the way you are. And we thank you for the ways that you work. And Father, we want to pray for Heidi Tarek, who also had heart attack and has had either had surgery today or will tomorrow. And we just pray that she find herself in a state of recovery as well. We pray you'll lay your healing hand upon her and bring restoration and healing to her body. And Father, we want to pray for Eleanor Johnson's family. We want to pray for all of her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and all of her nieces and nephews and everyone who knew and loved her. Lord, it was so great, again, one of your ways that we got to see her in church here recently and in the last couple of weeks and when she'd been gone for a while because of COVID. And Father, just so grateful for that, that, that one last glimpse of her before you decided to bring her home. So thank you for all the time we had with her. Pray for the family. Pray that they find comfort and peace in you in this difficult time. And we just pray you fill the void that they now feel in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for taking her to be with you in heaven, and what a
glorious time. It will be a great reunion when we all get to see her again in heaven someday. Thank you, Lord, again for tonight, for leading us and guiding us. May you see us to our homes and bring us back on Sunday to worship you and again next Wednesday for Bible study. Until then, Lord, we thank you for all your prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, thank you for joining in on Facebook. Thank you for being here tonight, the two of you. And uh, thank you again, Chad. Thank you. Really a pleasure. And we'll see you again all very soon.